Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible class every Sunday morning posted at 9.30 local time, which is the exact time that we meet together as the Sunny Slope Church of Christ for Sunday morning Bible classes at the building. But we know that there are people in the Omaha area and across the country and literally around the world who want to study God's Word, but they cannot be with us in person. So we're thankful to have the opportunity, the ability, and the means to be able to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful that you're listening, and we pray that as we study together each time through these podcast Bible studies, that your knowledge of God's Word is growing, and thereby your faith is getting stronger because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And because of that, we encourage you to help others grow in their knowledge of God's Word and thereby grow in their faith by sharing these, short, uh, by sharing these studies with them. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, but share with everybody you can, your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, literally everybody you can. You may help somebody turn their life around and get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be for them. But that will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing. Also tell people, and if you have not yet done so yourself, then you take advantage of this opportunity. Go to our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We're not interested in people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their smartphone or computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, they will receive our Sunday morning Bible class automatically, Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons. They will receive a Monday through Friday daily radio program called Search the Scriptures. And they will receive a seven-day-a-week short Bible class that we call today's Bible class. It really only about 13 minutes long each day, and it gets us into God's Word. Easy for, for us to fit it into our busy schedules each day. And by keeping us in God's Word, it keeps us focused on our relationship with God and keeps us thinking about our spiritual lives. All of that is free. Now, while people are at our website, churchofchrist.com, they can also download and listen to, and great many are on video format now as well, hundreds of sermons. And also they can download and read and study through hundreds of biblically-based and spiritually-focused articles. It's all there, free to use, and we encourage you to encourage everybody you can to take advantage of it. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Deuteronomy. We have been looking through the first five books of the Old Testament called the Pentateuch. And we understand that they were written by Moses, mostly at least, and until perhaps the last 
part of his life, and then perhaps somebody else, guided by God, finished off that last chapter or so of Deuteronomy. But Moses basically wrote these first five books. So we get a history of not only the creation, but of the early years of mankind on this earth, going all the way up to the through Genesis, through Joseph and, and his bringing his father and all of his brothers and all of their households into the land of Egypt where Joseph had become, by God's guidance and providence, I believe, and blessing, he had become second in command in the nation of Egypt. And so when this tremendous famine took place, then Joseph was in a place to really act in a way that saved the lives of his family who lived in Canaan. He brought them to Egypt, and uh, Pharaoh had Joseph put them in the best part of the land of Egypt for bringing up their cattle and so on. And then we saw the nation of Israel had grown, well, I, I say the offspring of Jacob, the families of Joseph and his brothers, they had grown to a mighty nation over a period of 400 or so years living in Egypt. And then we saw God send Moses to deliver them, lead them out of Egypt, because over those 400 or so years, they had become so numerous that a succeeding Pharaoh had put them in bondage, trying to keep their population down and, in his mind, protect his people, his nation, against them, rising up against them, and joining an an enemy of Egypt and conquering the land of Egypt itself. So he put them in bondage, put them in servitude, basically made slaves of them. And so they cried unto God through prayer, and God sent Moses to lead them out of that bondage and ultimately to the promised land, the land that God had promised to Israel through their forefather, Abraham, going all the, way, all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. And so it was time to lead the descendants of Abraham through his bloodline, through his son Isaac and his son Jacob and his 12 sons uh, who became the heads of the tribes of the forefathers of all the tribes of Israel, led them to the promised land. And in Deuteronomy, we find them after wandering in the wilderness for a period of 40 years so that the adult generations could die off because of their weak faith in God, their wishy-washiness in their dedication to God. Now the children had grown up, and they were of greater, stronger faith, and God was ready to lead them across the Jordan River and into the promised land so they could begin to take possession of it as God had promised that he would give it to them going all the way back to Abraham, telling him that through his descendants, this would be their land, and that would become the nation of Israel. In Deuteronomy, we find the Israelites poised on the eastern bank of the Jordan River. They're ready to cross, but now Moses takes the opportunity to go over with them, kind of by way of reminding about their history up to that point what God had done for them, how God had led them to this point, and God was ready to give them that land. We're going to pick up in chapter 4 and verse 44. 
Now, again, I'm skipping some sections that I'm going to let you read on your own because they may get a little more technical. I've done that through, uh, through part of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and most of what is in Deuteronomy we'll probably be reading and studying together. But there are some sections that I've already begun to skip over, let you cover those because of kind of their technical nature and getting more into the uh, in, into the dialogue uh, of, the, of the narrative, you know, is what I really want to cover with you. So be, beginning with verse 44 of chapter 4, we read this. Moses is speaking. Now this is the law which Moses set before the children of Israel. These are the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which Moses spoke to the children of Israel after they came out of Egypt, on this side of the Jordan, in the valley opposite Beth Peor, in the land of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt at Heshbon, whom Moses and the children of Israel defeated after they came out of Egypt. And they took possession of his land uh, and the land of Og, king of Bashan, two kings of the Amorites who were on this side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun, from Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, even to Mount Sihon, that is Hermon, and all the plain on the east side of Jordan, as far as the Sea of Araba, below the slopes of, of Pisgah. Now, again, a little bit of a summary there. And now Moses begins speaking himself. Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive. Now, Mount Horeb, again, was another name for Mount Sinai, and that's where Moses initially led the Israelites when he led them out of Egypt, out of that bondage, and after they had crossed the Red Sea and God had destroyed the pursuing Egyptian army in the waters of that Red Sea, and God began giving them his law at Mount Sinai, or Mount Horeb, as it's variously called, and when he says not to... When he says here in verse 3, the Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive. Well, again, these are the children of the fathers or of the parents and grandparents who, whom Moses led out of Egypt because their parents and grandparents had weak faith. And so God would not let them come into the promised land. He caused them to as a lot of people say, most people say, wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Well, it was more, in my mind, piddling in the wilderness during those 40 years, letting those adult generations die off, and the children, their generation, grow up to become the adults and stronger in faith than their forefathers. Well, <clears throat> verse 4, the Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up to the mountain. He said, I am the Lord your God, I who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. 
Now, what Moses is beginning to do here is reiterate the original Ten Commandments that we read about initially as they were first given at Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai back in Exodus chapter 20. So here are are God's basic commandments to the Israelites. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Now, this is an everlasting prohibition from God against the worship of idols, not just to the Israelites, but to us as well today. We are not to bow down before carved images or fashioned images of some kind, maybe made out of metal or, or gold even, or out of any kind of objects, wood, uh, rock. We're not to bow down to images and worship through those images. Now, unfortunately, and, and it's, it's really unfortunate because this is a very direct commandment, and it's not something that's just come out in, in the last hundred years or so. We're talking about going all the way back many thousands of years, at least 3,000 years ago. This is God's commandment to his followers. Don't worship through idols. But there are Christians today, those I say there are those who call themselves Christians today, and a great many of them, who to this day bow down and pray to God through idols, through images, statues, of people they call saints. Well, they would say, well, we're not worshiping those. You're worshiping through them. You're praying through them, supposedly. You're praying to them, in fact, is what my understanding has been for virtually all my life. You're praying to this particular saint through this particular statue, asking this saint to guard you from this or to bring this blessing upon you or that blessing upon you. And, of course, that saint is supposed to be connected to God and so on. That is by this description right here in God's word. That's idolatry. The Israelites struggled with idolatry, the worship of idols, for hundreds and hundreds of years until God finally brought their enemies down upon them, conquered them, destroyed their land, and took them away, the survivors away captive. And finally, after that happened, they came to their senses and put the idols away from them. But there are other people, a lot of people who worship idols that are not necessarily statues or images. They worship idols that have become their gods, such as money, prestige, social standing, power, jobs, all kinds of things. In some cases, recreational pursuits. They take precedence in their lives over their dedication and commitment to God. That's sad. 
we cannot be worshiping idols of any kind and be right with God. Well, we come on, verse 11. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What does it mean by taking the Lord's name in vain? Using God's name and the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in profane ways, profanity, vulgarity. People curse all the time using God's name and the Lord's name. They need to go back and read these Ten Commandments. That is something that God will hold you guilty for. Don't let your emotions carry you away and start cursing somebody through God's name or the Lord's name. We need to be careful. We need to speak God's name. We need to speak Jesus' name with respect and reverence. We're talking about God the Father, the Creator. We're talking about God the Son, the Savior, our Lord. In verse 12, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. The Sabbath day was the seventh day of the week. That was the day of worship for the Israelites. That is the one commandment out of the original ten that has not been brought into either directly by statement or even by implication into New Testament Christianity. Verse 14, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well. Remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Well, again, that particular commandment, that one out of the original ten, is not part of New Testament Christianity. Do we have a day of worship? Yes, we do. The first day of the week. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Acts chap, uh, verses 1 and 2, Acts chapter uh, 20 and verse 7, we do have a day of worship, but it's not the seventh day of the week, it's the first day of the week, as we call it commonly Sunday. <clears throat> we move on to verse 15. Remember that you were a slave, I'm sorry, on verse 16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your ways may be, uh, that your days may be long, and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Now look at these in rapid succession. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. Boy, that's one that our culture today really needs to have burned into their brain because they're violating that all the time. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is, that is your neighbor's. In other words, don't let greed run your life. Don't become resentful or covetous, as the word is. It's really a good word, greedy for something that somebody else has that you do not have. That's theirs. That's not yours. If you want something like that, work for it. 
try to make that happen. But don't resent them for having it when you don't. In verse 22, these words the Lord spoke to all your assembly in the mountain from the fire, uh, from the midst of the fire, the cloud in the thick darkness with a loud voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. And so Moses has reiterated, gone back over those original Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20. Now, beginning with verse 23, so it was when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning, again, going back to Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb, was burning with fire that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and uh, and your elders. And you said, surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. And he's talking about how the people of Israel at that time at Mount Sinai, when God caused fire to be on the mountain before them and God was speaking to them through the fire, they were fearful. They were fearful of the power of God. And so Moses is reminding them of this, and he says, you go near and hear all that the Lord your God may say, and tell us that the Lord your God says to, what the Lord your God says to you, and we will hear and do it. And so the people back then, those forty years before, they told Moses, uh, "We're we're afraid to go near the mountain. You you let God talk to you. You come back and tell us what He tells you to tell us." Then the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would hear me and always keep all my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. And so perhaps God, perhaps God back then, was telling Moses something of a prophecy. I sure wish that they revered me, that they respected me, that they would revere me and would respect me always as much as they're voicing right now. But of course, God could look ahead and he could see in his foresight, being God, that the Israelites would struggle mightily and repeatedly for hundreds and hundreds of years with their faithfulness to God and their obedience and dedication to him. In verse 29, again, oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. And then God tells Moses, go and say to them, return to your tents. But as for you, In other words, as for you, Moses, stand here by me, and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which you shall teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I am giving them to possess. Therefore, you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. 
Now, God is giving through Moses. Moses is, is reminding them. This is what God said. God gave us the law. He gave it to me. I brought it before your parents and grandparents and those of you who were able to understand at that time. Now, you are the adults, and his law that I gave to them back then, it applies to you today. It is God's law for you and for all who would follow him faithfully. We'll pick up with chapter 6 next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us your word to guide us. We need guidance. We need not just some guidance. We need your guidance. We need guidance in the truth so that we can look forward to being with you in heaven for all of eternity. Help people open their eyes all over the world to the truth of your word and have hearts that are submissive to your teachings so that they can follow you in faithful and consistent obedience and look forward themselves to that eternal home with you in heaven. We pray this, Father, and please guide us all to live to your glory, to live to your glory, Father, to glorify you through our lives. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.